This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles and let's go to Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter. On this Lord's Day before another midterm election, I think it's important that our perspectives be helped, refocused, corrected in some cases, and in other cases awakened by the scriptures. We are seeing spiritual warfare and spiritual blindness on display as never before. And I think that's an accurate statement. My parents, grandparents, great-grandparents did not live in a nation where people wondered what gender they were. Where biblical marriage had been tossed aside and now it's just whatever you want it to be. Those who speak out for righteousness have all manner of evil said against them falsely for Christ's sake. And the left calls the righteous liars as they try to hide their own activity with lies. In Isaiah 5 and verse 20, the Lord announces a woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness. What we need to focus on is that first word, the woe. What? What does that word mean? Well, throughout the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word that is meant to get someone's attention just before judgment. Okay? Whoa. Whoa. What are you doing? And if you keep doing that, judgment will certainly follow. Those who call evil good and good evil are the reprobates that Paul speaks of in Romans 1.28. And at the epicenter of this conflict between righteousness, God, evil, Satan, at the center of all of this is not political ideology. One person's thinking versus another person's thinking. Do you know what is the center of it all? It's one name and it's the name Jesus Christ. Why do the heathen rage and imagine empty, futile thoughts? Well, Psalm 2 tells us. They rage against the Lord God and against his anointed. You know what that Hebrew word is? Messiah. Messiah. They are against him. God. So truly the citizens of our land have risen up and are saying like those in Luke 19, 14, we will not have this man to reign over us. Now you're in Acts 5 where we learned last Lord's Day what is behind the opposition to the work of God. What is really behind it? After many had come to Christ in Jerusalem and mighty miracles of healing were being performed, the establishment, the wealthy religious the intellectuals in Jerusalem were moved with envy as once again they were reminded of their own insignificance. What do I mean? They were insignificant because what they had been teaching wasn't changing lives, wasn't helping anybody. 
what was being taught about Jesus Christ and those who were following him was transforming lives. People's lives were being radically changed for good. People were being healed physically, and then through those miracles, they were drawn to Christ to be healed eternally and spiritually. But the greatest challenge to the power of the establishment was, and, and to their position, was not ideology. It was the person of Jesus Christ. It was his name. If you just take time, and we can become familiar with the scripture, or we can read it and not read it carefully. If you take time to go through Acts chapter 5 and just note all the references to Jesus' name, you will see clearly the theme of the text. And by God's grace, I hope to bring that out today. So look at verse 27, Acts 5. And when they, this is the high priests, the Pharisees, Sadducees, had brought them, all the apostles this time, they set them before the council. And the high priests asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in what? This name. And at this point, they haven't declared the name. They will later in the chapter. In this name, and behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, I mentioned last time that the world hates our doctrine because it is of God. And it makes the true church relevant because God's truth sets people free. Addictions, modern thinking, that doesn't bring freedom. It brings bondage. And by the way, that bondage is economic too, as well as spiritual. Woke wisdom so-called is useless and insignificant because it cannot help anyone. And by the way, it, is, it has to be covered up with threats and lies. But all of this is not really the issue. What the rulers of Judaism really opposed was Jesus' name. That was the issue. Last time, we tried to emphasize the fact that if you believe the Bible, if you believe what God has said, if you believe in the name of Jesus, then you're accountable to God. And if you're not willing to give him your life, you don't want to be accountable to him. So the Pharisees say, don't teach in this name. You intend to bring this man's blood on us. We don't want to be accountable to the one who made himself the son of God. So my goal through this message is to help us see the that the world opposes us because wherever we go, if we are faithful to our calling to be witnesses, we represent Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the real issue, folks. And every soul on this planet is accountable to him and to his teachings. Man doesn't want that. So I've entitled the message today, One Name Hated, Yet Glorified. We noted last time that the high priest understood what was happening in the city. People were coming to understand Jesus was the Savior. This meant the Jewish leaders were wrong and had put Messiah to death. 
Word had spread and was also being preached that he had risen from the grave. And by the way, if you were around Jerusalem at that time, there were 500 witnesses that had seen him and could testify that he was alive. Now the tables turn. The apostles become the judges. The council becomes the accused. So court is in session. What do the apostles say? Well, first, they reaffirm Jesus' deity. They reaffirm Jesus' deity. Verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, this is always an important statement to live by, but you've got to put it in the context here. All right? Who is God? They're talking about Jesus. What did Jesus say before he went back to heaven? Ye shall be witnesses of me. So we ought to obey God. We ought to obey him. But then they go on. Watch what Peter and the others are saying. There's unified expression here. Uh, though we don't know the names of all the apostles who spoke at this time. Hang on with us here, folks. Okay, he needs to step out. All right, thanks for bearing witness here. Bearing with us here. All right. Father, I pray for Brother Jeff. Pray that you'll protect him, help those who are working with him right now. And God, thank you for this reminder of our frailty, that what we are looking at from your word is so important because, uh, as we heard in the video, the, the flower fades, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Meet with us here now we ask in Jesus' name. Going back to the text, the apostles reaffirm Jesus' deity. Again, we don't know. It's not just Peter who's speaking here, but we're told that any of the apostles may have been the ones speaking. But here's what they say, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. So I believe here you have not only Peter speaking, but others, they're taking turns. And as they're led by the Holy Spirit, this is a unified response to these leaders. So here are all of these Jewish leaders, but here are these apostles. And one side is convinced, the other side is really convinced. And so they're responding. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. Let's take a close look at that expression. The cases, the Greek cases literally in the language here mean to be at his, God's right hand. Now think about that. 
who you slew, God has raised, and right now he is seated at the right hand of his Father. Wow. And what is he doing there? For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. What a defense. Wow. Now notice closely what, is just, what was just said to the council. All right. Pay attention closely. The one you murdered on the cross has been exalted by God to reign as prince at God's right hand. He is the Savior, notice the wording, who gives repentance and grants forgiveness for sins. All through Jesus' earthly ministry, the Pharisees chided him on this. Who do you think you are to forgive sins? And now the apostles stand there and say, God granted this through his Son. Now besides the witness of these things, the apostles' witness, the Holy Spirit of God had come to live inside those who believe on Jesus the Messiah. And he testifies that those things are true. So think about the mentality of the Jewish leaders right now. There was Jesus who went around doing good and healing, raising the dead. Now they've multiplied. There are 12 men probably standing there. And these are healing. These are proclaiming the truth. It is evident the Holy Spirit of God has been working through them. And these religious leaders know this problem is bigger than us. What are we going to do? Now, it would have been easy for the apostles to hold back on account of their own safety. But instead of being diplomatic, they're dogmatic. They weren't mean. They weren't hateful. And as Christians, we should never be. Jesus wasn't that. But you know what? They didn't back up here. Uh-oh, we could be in trouble. Let's play nice. They're dogmatic about who Jesus is and what every human soul needs to believe. He is Lord and Savior. Jesus is God, come in the flesh, crucified and risen, now at the right hand of the Father. These leaders stand guilty of slaying the Son of God. Again, these men are direct. They speak the truth in their presentation. What these leaders had done with Judah's help was despicable. But instead of a tongue lashing... The religious leaders heard the gospel. Do you know if you ever get called in because you're a Christian, it would be easy to lash out. But whoever you stand before, you have an opportunity to share the gospel. That alone can change minds and lives. Now what is being proclaimed today as woke wisdom the foolishness of this world is another religion and it's useless nonsense. Some of you are hearing it in college classrooms. Some of you are hearing it in high school. You may be hearing it from friends and family. 
Please understand that it's nonsense, it's useless, it can't help anyone. But people need to hear about who the Lord Jesus is and what he has done to deliver them from sin and death and keep proclaiming it. We need to vote for righteous values. But more importantly, we need to turn our conversations away from political ideology and towards Jesus' identity. That's the thrust of the text. Now, don't misunderstand. ideology that is anti-God and you need to declare it so. But that's not where the argument should be. You need to help people understand, but this is what God said, who did all things, does all things well and created things the way they are. Do you know why marriage is sacred? Because God designed it. And when Adam was alone and he needed to help me, God created another gender. Not the same one. Not some mix. No. Another gender. What about the sanctity of life? No scientist can create life in a petri dish or a laboratory. Only God can do that. When does life start? Well, that's easy. When did Jesus' life start? When he was conceived in Mary's womb. Did he become the son of God after he was born? He was the son of God eternally. You could take any argument about anything, just take it right back to Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ create the earth to last until his plan is finished here, yes or no? So are we going to overpopulate it and burn it up because we use fossil fuels? I'm not trying to be silly. It's pretty obvious, but the answer is Jesus. And by the way, all you weather watchers, 170, 180 years of formal weather records, and somehow we've figured out what's happened on this earth for millennia. Give me a break. But I'm going to start practicing what I'm preaching here, okay? What matters is the name of Jesus. And so as the apostles reaffirm Jesus' deity, watch what the Holy Spirit does. Are you watching here? Verse 33. The Holy Spirit convicts about Jesus' identity. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. How were they cut to the heart? Holy Spirit conviction. Imagine what happens now. Cut to the heart means that their emotions were torn apart and the result was immediate rage. We sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and that hymn, uh, Pastor Davis, talks about the rage of the enemy. They raged in their heart. We'll see this again. Same expression of the religious leaders in chapter 7 when Stephen preaches the same message. And what happened to Stephen? They got under Holy Spirit conviction. They stoned him to death. Same thing. 
So the apostles have spoken, and now the Jewish leaders go into open deliberation in the apostles' hearing about what they should do. So again, put yourself there. Here's the Sanhedrin. Here are the apostles. They just hear this testimony about Jesus Christ. They know they're guilty, and the Holy Spirit is impressing that on their hearts. And now the apostles are silent while these guys openly deliberate. Here's what they're saying. How should we kill them? I think we ought to. Imagine if that was you. Okay. They're deciding how we're going to die. That's what's happening in the text. It's interesting that conviction, when you declare the word of God, conviction can cause people to get right or can cause them to rage. And as Christians, we need to be prepared for both. But Jesus said, it's not because they hate you, they hate me. They hated me before they hate you. So when spirit-filled believers proclaim the truth about Jesus the Lord, there will be a response. Just as we can't save anyone, we can't control how others respond to the Spirit's conviction, right? They can get saved or they can turn savage. But this doesn't change our obligation to declare who Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when we have opportunity, we ought to, we ought to take every opportunity to try to declare the gospel. But we need to do it in his power. So at this point in the narrative, something happens, I believe, is also the working of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, who uh, or had in reputation among all the people. So Gamaliel, one of the most respected Jewish leaders of the time. You can see this in history. Rabbinical history records how this man was viewed in his day. Here's what they wrote about him. When Rabban Gamaliel, the elder, died, the glory of the law ceased, and purity and abstinence died. That's what they said about him. God had this man in history at this time to sway thinking according to God's plan. In other words, it wasn't time for the apostles to die. We'll learn later that this man was also the teacher of a Pharisee in training by the name of Saul of Tarsus. How many have you heard of that guy? Okay, all right. Here's his teacher. And he is sitting in their midst. Gamaliel was not a believer. He was a moderate. And what he says sways the thinking of the council. Now notice the influence that this guy has. Gamaliel, read on in the text, commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Verse 35. And said unto them, the Sanhedrin, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching, or what you intend to do regarding these men. Verse 36, For behold, before these days rose up uh, Thetis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain. This man was slain in all, as many as obeyed him, and that is the word that is the word believed him, believed his message and followed. Okay, as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. 
Verse 37, after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing. That's mentioned because who likes taxes? So this guy rose up, probably speaking against taxation, against the government, drew away much people after him. He also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him. It's the word believed. They believed his message, but they were dispersed. So look at what Gamaliel is saying. In no way is he sympathetic to Jesus or his followers. He's simply saying, quote, if this is some political following, it will die of itself. But if there is another side to this, all right, Gamaliel wasn't, uh, uh, or was very aware of everything that happened with Christ, with his followers, now in the aftermath. Verse 38, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men, let them alone, and if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Now that's coming from an unbelieving man. But I think he was being influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. If this is of God, you don't want to fight against God. Those were the words that tempered this whole setting. What happens next is nothing short of divine intervention. Verse 40, and to him they, what? <laughs> they agree. Rage turns to a little bit of reason. Who can do that, Spirit of God? And when they had called the apostles, they call them back in. Instead of letting them alone, though, as Gamaliel had said, what happens next? They beat them and then commanded that they should not speak. And what's the rest of that verse say? In the name of Jesus. There it is again. What are they concerned about? That name. I don't want to hear that name. It's the main issue. And so they beat them and let them go. Now, was Gamaliel's response proof the Holy Spirit may have been working in his own heart? I don't know. We don't know. But this is clear. The Holy Spirit not only convicts with the gospel, he also works on behalf of those who declare Jesus' name. Now, can I say this without sounding unkind? Some of you will never know the power of the Holy Spirit because you refuse to declare his name. <gasps> but what will happen to me? Why don't you declare his name and see what God will do for you? He'll protect you. It's his work. He's called you. Trust him and be obedient. Now this portion of scripture ends with the ultimate purpose of all that was happening in this text and, and frankly throughout the book of Acts. Jesus' name was glorified. Jesus' name glorified. Again, when the choir began to sing this morning, I will glorify your name. I need a seatbelt on that, on that chair right there. It's like, okay, time to buckle in. This is exciting, Lord. Look at what you're doing. Now we're reminded in the current political climate in our nation that when people refuse to accept principle and truth, they often resort to hate speech, 
threats, and even physical violence. However, this has always been the case with those who reject the truth of Jesus Christ and hate his followers. And that's why the scripture reminds us, don't think it's strange when some fiery trial, including persecution, happens to you. This, we're in alien territory. This is the way they operate. This is what happens. Read your Bible. Yet those who remain faithful to the Savior, remain committed to his gospel, continue to bring glory to his name no matter what. You can beat disciples of Christ, but you can't shut them up until the work that God has through them is completed. Verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council. We ought to insert in here, beat up. They beat them. I made the mistake one time as a child after a spanking going, that didn't hurt. <laughs> I think that's the last time I said something so foolish. Because the session happened all over again. And it hurt. These guys are not leaving saying, that was nothing, that didn't hurt. It hurt. It was intended to hurt. But they were rejoicing. Why? That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for, what's the next two words? His name. Now what this text shows us Take spiritual eyes, and what I'm about to say requires spiritual understanding. Are you ready? Jesus blessed those apostles with the honor of having the same religious leaders who had caused him to be beaten to beat them. It's the same bunch. And they leave rejoicing because... At the hands of the same bunch, they were counted worthy to, su uh, to suffer for the name of Jesus. Jesus' stripes had caused them to be healed with eternal salvation. Now they were being honored to declare his eternal salvation. Wow. Were the disciples focused on their own reputations here? Counted worthy to No, they weren't. The name of Jesus had been glorified yet again, and they had been counted worthy to suffer for his glorious name. Does the name of Jesus mean anything to you? If you know him, he delivered you from death and hell. It should mean everything to you. So when there's a little pressure to deny his name, what do you do? And can I say this? And I'll... Again, I, I want to be careful here. You will stand for the Lord now, or you will stand for the Lord later, but there is coming a time we will all have to stand. But let me follow up with this. If you don't stand for the Lord now, it's anybody's guess if you'll stand for the Lord later. You're going to be called on to stand. At the threat of your life, you may be called upon to stand. Now, what do they do next? Well, this proves the point. Jesus' name glorified. And daily in the temple, all right, when are we meeting back up there? Well, let, let's grab lunch and let's go now. 
I added that, by the way. Okay. But here they go. Daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach and teach. What were they preaching and teaching? Uh, there's a name here. Jesus Christ. That name above all names, the name by which if a person is going to be saved, they're going to have to believe that name. That name. Now it breaks my heart to think that there is one name on earth that is hated more than any other name. Why do you think that? Because they're constantly using it as a swear word. And many times not even thinking about it. It just comes out, along with a lot of other nasty stuff. Yet I know a name, a beautiful name, the only name whereby we must be saved, and that is the wonderful name of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. He's hated by the world, but glorified by his saints. And in these dark days, we need to glorify his name by declaring that name to those who hate him, that through the Spirit's power, they might believe. That's just a little snippet of where this is going to go. Remember Gamaliel? Remember Saul of Tarsus? Remember with Saul of Tarsus, he's being taught by this guy, and then there's a day where this same bunch is full of rage because a deacon by the name of Stephen preaches to them yet again. And filled with rage, they stone Stephen to death. And there's a guy standing nearby holding the coats of these guys that were chucking the rocks. His name, taught by Gamaliel, is Saul of Tarsus. And when he saw what, well, he heard what was preached, he saw the testimony of Saul or of Stephen, it penetrated his heart too. And it won't be long when he's on his way up to Damascus that Jesus speaks from heaven and drops this guy to the ground. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what happened to Saul? He was gloriously saved. How do we know he got saved? Because he said, not just, what do you want me to do? He said, what do you want me to do? Lord. Lord. Everything changed. You are who you said you are. You are who all these Christians I'm trying to kill. You're who they say you are. I'm yours. Amen. That's the power of the gospel. And so let's declare the gospel by exalting the name of the one who's hated and yet should be glorified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you. What a powerful passage. Lord, that helps us prepare for a week whatever's going to happen with these elections. We know truth. We know it will set people free. But those who are spiritually blind believe all kinds of nonsense and will vote accordingly. But Father, in all of that, our opportunity is to declare salvation through Jesus Christ the Lord. Help that to be our burning desire this week and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.